The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I don't know if you know this or not, but I have been collaborating with Overcoming MS for a few years now by offering MS-specific exercise classes and videos and various content. And within this time, I have seen their organization expand in so many ways. When most people think of Overcoming MS, They think of the nutrition guidelines or maybe their seven-step program, but there's so much more than that and so many valuable resources that they share. So I invited Dr. Jonathan White, who is an Overcoming MS medical advisor and event facilitator, to talk to me and share what Overcoming MS is and what it has to offer. Johnny, thank you so much for being here with us today. A great pleasure, Gretchen. Thank you very much for inviting me along. Delighted. Yeah, of course. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a question from my interview deck, which is something I ask all of my guests to help our listeners get to know you a bit better. Is that okay with you? I suppose so. Yeah, go for it. All right. Your question is, if you were a captain of a ship, what would you call it? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) I've often, (laughs) I'd often thought like when when I'm old and in my dotage, I might like to have a boat. I used to do a bit of sailing when I was younger and I I love being out in the water. So I'm going to go with, and this is not pre-prepared, but I do think about it a lot, halcyon days, because it just means wonderful times. And I I think that's a great name for my my little boat. Maybe not an oil tanker, but I'm still sticking with that. So halcyon days is the name of my boat, and I'm the captain. I love that. That's a great name. (laughs) I feel like I would probably just go with something generic like my dog's name, because I've never thought about it before. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, these are things I think about on the north coast of Northern Ireland, you know, <laughs> staring right, out to right. see. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. So let's get into it. And what I think I'd like to start with is just a, a little introduction of who you are, if people haven't heard of you before, and also how you are connected to overcoming MS. Sure. So I'm Jonathan White. Nearly everybody would call me Johnny. It's what I'm more comfortable with. I'm from uh, Northern Ireland. I was originally from Belfast. I've studied away at the University of Glasgow in Scotland and uh, trained in medicine there. And I I work as an obstetrician and gynecologist or OBGYN for your American listeners. And I now live and I work on the north coast of Northern Ireland with my wife, Jenny, and my two young sons and our mad cat. Yeah, so that's me. How I got involved with OMS, I think, is was your second question. Is I was diagnosed with relapsing remitting MS in October 2015, so almost sort of seven and a half years ago. I was 31. I just finished my last. I'm not sure how the, the exams work in your professional training in the States, but there's some really big hurdles for us to jump in our training program. And I jumped the last one 
at the third time of asking because it's um, it's a particularly onerous exam while you're working. I just passed that. Jenny had been working away. She also it works in Obs and Gowney and was about to come back. We were engaged. She'd been away for two years. We were about to set up, get married, start a family. Lo and behold, all of a sudden, I pretended, but did have, I pretend I didn't, but I did have optic neuritis. I remember sitting in an antenatal clinic and thinking, I really, my vision isn't brilliant in that eye. It's quite sore to move. And I went to opticians. I got a new contact lens and put it in the denial box and forgot about it. And then, unfortunately, at a, a friend's wedding, I um, developed very rapid onset uh, transverse myelitis. So I bent my neck. I had really apparent to meet sign it like that very strong buzzing from my belly button to my toes. It felt like I had 10 mobile phones in my pockets. And I just knew that I had a fairly good idea what that was. And I went to my local emergency department and uh, I said, I think I need an MRI. Pretty sure I've got MS. And they said, no, you don't. You won't have MS. And unfortunately I did have MS. I very quickly realized that traditional medicine wasn't going to, wasn't going to give me all the answers that I wanted. They were very keen that I start disease-modifying drugs, and I was happy to do that. I took the time and made that decision. But, you know, I would say, you know, is there anything I can do? Is there anything I should do in my lifestyle, in my diet, my exercise, anything? And pretty much always the answer was, there's no real evidence for any of that, to paraphrase, but essentially that was the message. And I thought, well, that can't be right, because this condition didn't really exist 160 years ago. Now we've got 3 million people around the world affected with MS. We've got 130,000 people in the United Kingdom. And I thought, that doesn't add up. It's not genetics. that feel that rise it's got to be something in our lifestyle or our environment and i was very lucky that i find professor george jelinek's book who i'm sure some of your listeners will have heard of very very quickly in my journey i don't know how but it certainly appeared on a google search and it arrived and i think i read it non-stop over 72 hours i just i couldn't put it down i thought wow. as a doctor as somebody living with ms i just thought this makes absolute sense to me this speaks to me as a scientist but it also speaks to me as a person who's now been diagnosed with this condition, gives me a sense of hope. And it gave me a real sense of purpose and a mission almost in those early days when I was really not particularly well and really deeply affected with my symptoms. And it gave me a path to follow, Gretchen. So I will always be extremely glad of that. I'm very grateful to George for his work and I'm very grateful and feel very privileged to call him a mentor and friend now. So not maybe 18 months or so after I started my journey with MS itself, there was an article appeared in our local our local paper by a, a guy called Greg Hendren, who was a, a lawyer in, in Belfast, who had been following the Overcoming MS program and had been very secretive and hadn't told anybody about it, but decided that he needed to, you know, get this burden off his shoulder and basically came out very publicly about his MS. And my wife said, That's that's you, that's what you're doing. You need to you need to get in touch with this guy. And I did. I reached out and he put me in touch with OMS because he had been to one of their retreats and I had a phone call with the then CEO, Gary McMahon, and he said, we need doctors who want to tell this message to, to people, and I think you'd be very good at it. And I said, yeah, brilliant. So I, I dipped the toe in the water just over five years ago, and, and it has taken me some amazing places. I've traveled the world. I've led retreats for people living with MS and their partners. I've written articles. I've been involved with research, and I've appeared on sort of podcasts and with these sorts of things. And very, I mean, incredibly was asked to write a chapter of the latest OMS handbook. And, and so it has afforded me some wonderful opportunities and put me right in the middle of a, just a phenomenal community of like-minded people that I'm, I'm very grateful to call friends. It's been an extremely positive thing in my life. Yeah, it is a phenomenal community. I've been a part of the OMS community for a few years now in a, in a different way with, you know, teaching exercise classes and exercise type content. 
But I love your story because it starts off with that personal experience of something that helped you so much. Yeah. And now you get to be part of it in a different way. And in one of your roles in overcoming MS is a medical advisor and an event facilitator. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's certainly not what I thought I'd be doing when I was in medical school. You know, neurology was like the dark arts to me. And I sort of forgot as much as I learned pretty quickly. And I, I focused in the sort of more practical obstetrics and gynecology, which I, I, I loved and still do love. But I've always loved engaging with people and I've always loved learning. And I just think it's a, just a brilliant thing to be a part of. You know, you're, you're standing up in, in front of a room full of people who are, are so desperate to hear this message of positivity, of hope, but also of realistic evidence and of to a path to follow, a, a way to go. And it's just an enormous privilege to work in that arena. And the friends that I have made, the people that I have met, I mean, their their courage knows no bounds and they are just wonderful and phenomenal people. Yeah. And so can you tell us a bit about what the basic principles of overcoming MS yeah. is? Because I, I feel like most people know of OMS, but there might be some people who don't. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So Overcoming MS is a registered charity in the United Kingdom and in the United States, as well as Australia. It's been in existence for 10 years. So 2022 was our 10-year anniversary. So we've been around for just over 10 years. And at the heart of the charity Overcoming MS is the Overcoming MS program. So you'd often hear synonymously OMS and Overcoming MS. Our branding is technically Overcoming MS, but we all know what OMS means. And I'm very proud to call myself an OMSer. But at its heart is the program. And, and that was designed by Professor George Jelinek, who was an emergency care physician in Melbourne, Australia. And it's essentially holistic lifestyle modification based around principles which are now extremely widely accepted and recognized as being beneficial in a whole host of human diseases. But it is, in essence, most people will have heard of the diet element, which is a big part of the Overcoming MS program, which is whole food and plant-based. So eating natural foods as much as possible and avoiding processed foods and oils as much as we possibly can. Avoiding meat and avoiding dairy, both of which have pro-inflammatory and pro-degenerative properties that have been shown in a wide array of studies to be detrimental in MS and eating seafood if you wish. So it, it can be purely vegan, purely whole food and plant-based, or it can involve fish. And, and for me, it does involve fish. I really love eating fish and seafood. So I consider my diet to be vastly improved on what it was pre-MS, where it was meat with cheese, cheese with meat. And I wouldn't have either of those things tomorrow if I didn't have MS. And I can say that honestly. So when somebody says, oh, I, I couldn't ever do it, I couldn't give up cheese. Well, I'm here to tell you, you can, because I did. And I was entirely made of cheese for a lot of my life. <laughs> so there's the diet aspect, um, but more so than that, there's aspects such as vitamin D and sunlight. So we know that vitamin or vitamin D plays a really very important role in, in the risk and development of MS, but also in its uh, activity and prognosis in the longer term. So there's that aspect to it. So I take high dose vitamin D throughout the winter time. And then when the sun shines in Northern Ireland, which is infrequent, I try to get as much exposure as I, as I can. Exercise, which I know will be your strong suit, Gretchen, is, the, is, is also a core principle. So the advice, if you're following the Overcoming MS program, is that you try to engage in 30 minutes of physical activity three to five times a week, which is actually, believe it or not, the exact same advice as anybody in the UK would be given as an adult with regards to physical activity. Stress reduction techniques are a big part of things. So the one that is easily, there's a great body of evidence, not only is mindfulness-based stress reduction techniques. So I practice meditation every day or as many days a week as I can. And I don't beat myself up if I miss a day because that's one of the key tenets of it, as I've learned over many years. 
And then another aspect, the final aspect would be preventing our family members from developing MS because by virtue of me having the condition, my two sons do have an increased risk of the condition. So many of the principles that I practice, I try to then instill in, in them as, as they're growing up to, to try and hopefully prevent them from developing the, the condition. And actually the last thing that isn't really part of the program, but is a very key aspect for most people is taking control. So changing your life for life and giving yourself self a sense of autonomy, of mastery, of control, of hope, which for so many is, is lost after a diagnosis of MS. So answer your question very, very briefly. It's a secondary prevention program based on holistic lifestyle modification. I love how many components are part of it because it is true that when you're managing MS, it's not, unfortunately, it's not just one thing. It might be easier if it were right. just nutrition or just stress relief, but it right. isn't. And so I love that it touches on so many different components because it gives you a different place to start. If someone yeah. is feeling very overwhelmed, is there a best place to start within all those components or do you just pick one? So that's a, that's a really good question. That's the question we ask ourselves actually at the charity quite regularly, because for some people, there's two schools of thought, dive in head first, do everything all in one go. But for some people that, that is just not possible and is completely overwhelming. For others, it'll be dipping the toe in and taking some time to, to work their way into the program. And both of those are perfectly acceptable. Absolutely. If I were to do one thing, I think it would probably be the diet. And that's maybe just my personal view. But for me, that was a huge thing because like so many people in the Western Hemisphere, my diet was absolutely appalling before I was diagnosed with MS. You know, most things I, I ate were convenient and processed because I was so busy and I was stressed and I was working all the time. And it was something I could grab on the go or stick it into an oven or a microwave. And it was terrible. It wasn't food. It certainly wasn't nutrition. And for many people, that is probably the thing which they need to change most and probably has the greatest benefits. And also it does take time. You know, you I literally think of the analogy of rebuilding your cells from the ground up and that does not happen overnight. You know, that's a, that's a three to five year process. Generally on average, we think from the evidence we've seen so far. And I think you, you have to be aware that that's going to take time. But if I were to do one thing, that's, that's the thing that, that I would do. And for me, that literally looked like I took my kitchen cupboards and I emptied them of all the things that I knew were absolutely appalling but delicious at the time. And then I went to my local supermarket and it was daunting that first time. And we've got many more resources to help with that sort of first shop, uh, if you like. But once I filled up my pantry with things that were delicious and you know good to eat and absolutely fitted with the OMS program, and I got my routine. I think we're all creatures of habit and routine. Once I knew what I was cooking on a Wednesday night and I had my Thursday night dinner and all these sorts of things, I haven't looked back since. And I absolutely love the way that I eat now you know it's just it's so rich and colorful it's tasty it's healthy it's makes me feel good it's phenomenal it's done nothing but bring goodness into my life physically and mentally so I think if we're to start anywhere it would personally be the diet I know that some people disagree with me on that um, some of my colleagues do but I personally think that's a really important part and if I were to try to sneak in a second part right in beside it it would definitely be with regards to, to sort of taking care of your mental health at that time, because the diagnosis of MS is about as life-changing and life-altering as, as it can get. And there is evidence to say that it's one of the most difficult chronic illnesses to come to terms with, because it, I think it's unpredictability is one of the hardest things really to understand. And that quest for answers and reassurance is just often not forthcoming. So for me, that was a big hurdle to overcome. Learning to, to sit in stillness with the thoughts in my head, that's not something I'd ever done in 30 years before. 
um, to give space to those difficult emotions. The things that will, of course, come with that diagnosis at a time in your life, like so many people when you're making big life decisions and setting down roots and, and hoping for the future and you have all these positive visions in your head and they seem to be ripped apart. And so I think taking that time, speaking to people if you need to. For me, I, I spoke to a counsellor through my local MS resource centre and she was wonderful and just cleared the wood from the trees. She made it make sense in my head, you know, and, and I, I was able to sort of see more clearly as a result of it. For the therapy or counsellor, do you think it's important to see one who has experience working with people who have been diagnosed with something like MS or will anyone do? If I'm being totally honest, I think somebody who's a bit of experience with chronic illness and ideally neurological conditions it is, is good because some people with the best of intentions can say things that are not helpful at all. I know of people who've said, you know, been to see counsellors who've been like, you know, well, I think you just have to accept you will be in a wheelchair. You know, and that, oh my gosh. You know that's just, it, well, it's wrong for a start, right. but it's also just so unhelpful. You know, and and so, and and people say that things like that to me without really, you know, oh, I understand why you you work so hard and the things you do, Johnny. You know, your time's limited. And I'm like, well, I haven't got a terminal illness. You know, I don't don't plan to be going anywhere for quite a long time unless I get hit by a bus. You know, and so, yeah, I I think somebody with with some experience in in multiple sclerosis or or certainly chronic health conditions um, is a really good thing. And uh, unfortunately, in, in the UK where I am, the MS Society does have resource centres in many local areas that are able to provide essentially free counselling and, and and that's a really wonderful resource. But I'm sure there will be an online or in-person resource wherever many of your listeners are. There, you know, And that's one good thing that's come out of the pandemic actually is that accessing these things now digitally, while it's not perfect, is certainly much easier than it used to be. Absolutely. And I like that you mentioned that as your second. So your first was nutrition, but second was mindset yeah. and mental health. Because a lot of people, I mean, I'm, I know I'm one of these people where when something happens, I want to fix it. And I, t- I take action. Mm-hmm. Like I will change my diet. I will exercise. I will do the things. But mental health is almost the opposite. It requires you to stop. It requires you to just sit and think. And that is the complete opposite of doing, at least in my mind. And so it's mm-hmm. often, I think, the last thing that people focus on, but it's really important. And they very often don't want to to pick up that rock and look at what's underneath because it is scary. Of course it's scary. You know, that's one of the darkest times in my life, you know, was my MS diagnosis. But from that, I truly believe that I am a, I'm a much better, much more grounded and caring and thoughtful person than I used to be. And I know that, you know, well, I might feel selfish going away to meditate for a while once the kids are screaming blue murder in the house and my wife's trying to cook dinner. I'll come back down a better person. So that is without a doubt the case for me. But, you know, it's, it's also made me a far better doctor. But having that awareness of, of my own emotions and the things that go on in my head and also a little bit more aware generally so I can see it in other people. And also just I'm fairly comfortable now talking about these things, which a lot of my colleagues, certainly in the, the Obs and Gynae community, are not really particularly comfortable with. And so I think it's a great asset to me and it makes me more effective in my, my job where I, I work in, in early pregnancy and recurrent pregnancy loss, which is obviously a very emotive topic. And I think my own personal experiences and the things I've learned from that have, have definitely enabled me to be a more empathetic and more effective doctor for my patients as well. Wow. And one thing that you mentioned earlier, just briefly, but I think is really important is that overcoming MS has lots of resources too. So it's not just that they say, okay, exercise three to five days a week for 30 minutes and 
eat these vegetables. They have actual resources that help you make these changes. And all of that is online and in the book. Is that right? And it includes your very good self as well, Gretchen. There are some phenomenal resources on our website and our website is constantly being updated and being changed and improving. So we have recipes, we have meditations, we have exercise videos, we have blogs about research, we have information about our OMS Circles program, which is essentially a, a local community based in your area, hopefully. There are many, many of them around the world. I've lost count of how many there are now, but it's into the hundreds, I believe, if not the high 90s. And that is a group of OMSers who meet up and either they go for a coffee or maybe something stronger, they maybe enjoy a meal together or an activity and they they talk about the program, their difficulties, they share, they learn from each other and they support each other. And yes, we have you know access to our podcast, which is not rivaling yours in any way, Gretchen, but is also out there, which is the Living Well with MS podcast. We have a whole host of resources. And actually, it's, it's much, much better than when I was diagnosed, where it was website was rather basic. There was the book, but the book is essentially a medical textbook, actually, the original OMS book. And I'm very pleased that the Roadmap to Good Health, the OMS Handbook, which came out at the start of 2022, is much more user-friendly. It's a wonderful resource, and it has stories from our own communities. So almost every author who contributed to, to a chapter has MS, which is a really powerful thing. And I love picking it up and diving into it. And you always learn something new. You don't, it doesn't need to be read cover to cover. It can be picked up and put down. And it has all of the information and all the science and the evidence, but also you can really hear that message from the people that live this day and daily. And, and I think that's just so, so important. That's really powerful. And, and it is true when you go to the website, it is constantly updating and expanding. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. my gosh. If anyone knows of overcoming MS, or even if you don't know, go to their website and go like monthly just to see what's new. There's constantly new videos, classes, webinars, events, as you mentioned, the circles. It's it's a wealth of knowledge yeah. for sure. Can you talk a little yeah, bit about the retreats? Yeah. I've never heard of these retreats. This is the first I've heard of it. So the retreat model is something that is very dear to George and is where his work started and also to, to my heart too. So George was diagnosed with MS in 1999 and started running residential retreats in the Yarra Valley outside of Melbourne, not that long after. And he led just enormous amounts of these retreats, pretty much on his own, taking groups of people with MS and immersing them in his research. It wasn't called the Overcoming MS program at that stage. It was literally just a piece of paper stuck to his refrigerator with this basic message, the evidence, the hope. And as he was living this he felt he had a duty and he had to tell other people about it and he did and he did it on his own for a long long time and one of the first people to go to one of those retreats was Linda Bloom and Linda's our charity's president she's from Australia and I lives in the UK and when Linda moved to the UK to be with her husband Tony she sort of said well where's the where's my nearest OMS group and they were like you're what you know it, it just wasn't uh, nobody had heard of this and so when Linda set up the charity, the idea was then to reproduce that model that was still ongoing and George was doing a lot of it in the Arrow Valley here. And so when I got involved, we duly started doing five-day retreats again in the UK. And basically what it involved was usually going to a, not a hotel but or a conference facility, but usually a sort of a private home on a bit of ground in the countryside where nobody would really disturb you, where we would stay from the Monday morning to the Friday afternoon. All of their meals would be OMS food, of course. We would have teaching about the program itself, how to implement that and the science behind it. 
but a real focus then as well on the mental health aspects and the sort of spirituality behind a diagnosis of MS. And that's not in any religious way. It was very secular, of course. But that was a remarkably powerful thing. And I feel really privileged to have been involved in, I think, eight of those so far. And the people, the most vocal OMSers that you see on our website and our webinars and our blogs and things are often people who have been through that retreat process. And it is life-changing. And I, I really mean that. In my early days with Overcoming MS, I went to the Yarra Valley and I saw George do one of his last retreats for a day as part of the five-day experience. And it was just incredible. And it helped me so much. And it, it really cemented in my own head the power of this stuff and of, of that tribe, that sense of community, that because all the knowledge is in the room before we even speak. You know, those 40 people, so say there are 30 people with MS and usually 10 or so partners or carers who come to support, they know all the answers amongst themselves. And all we have to do is allow them to connect. And seeing that is just a wonderful thing. And an example of that was during the COVID pandemic, where many people with MS could not physically meet up with other people and were extremely isolated and their physical and mental health were suffering as a result. And very often the groups that had been in retreats, they had, and I, I'd be asked to come on a Zoom call and it was their pub quiz night or they'd be talking about, you know, and there was just so much strength in that community. And it was just such a wonderful thing to see. And as I sit at my desk now, I'm looking at two pictures of my first two retreat groups that I led. And, you know, I think of them often and the very special place they hold in my heart. And so with COVID, we, we lost our retreats. The five-day retreat model obviously wouldn't work in, in a global pandemic, but in the post-COVID world where the shoots are starting to spring up again, we have to reimagine what that looks like. We have to make it more reproducible. We have to make it more accessible. It has to be cheaper. And so we're working really, really hard to, to make that five-day model work in a shorter timescale, in a more accessible way. And how we think that's good, I can't say too much about it yet because it's not officially released, but I'm not giving anything away to say that we very much hope that we will be able to run something this year in 2023 towards the end and then it will probably be a hybrid event where whereby there'll be some learning done beforehand in a small group and then we will all meet for a for a sort of a, a longish weekend wow. because as much as i love webinars and podcasts i love face to face more all the online there. sources are so so helpful but there is nothing like being in person with no. someone especially with a group like this who can all understand what you're going through and just share those experiences. That's so powerful. And I think just that, you know, if you spend five days with people and it's usually the alpha male types and I don't count myself as one of these, by the way, but that typical stoic male who, who appears to be holding it all together. And we're, we're a rare breed in, in MS worlds anyway, because it's three to one, the ratio of females to males. But so many times that man with that burning question will ask you that at midnight or one o'clock in the morning, when you, you know, you've had maybe a glass or two of beer and you're all relaxed and they have that connection and that courage to ask the thing that they really need to ask and they've been too scared. There are other examples, of course, but you'll just be sitting outside between sessions and somebody will sit down beside you with a cup of coffee and say, Johnny, would you mind if I just, you know, I can't tell you how important that is for them just to have that space and that time. Absolutely. Wow. So this has been a lot and I'm going to include the website in the show notes. So any, everyone can check that out. Is there anything else, any other resources that you want to share? You mentioned the podcast, where can people learn yeah. more? Yeah. So the podcast is living well with MS, which is available on all the podcast platforms. So I know that I, I get mine through the Apple app, but I know that it is on Spotify and Amazon as well. 
and the link is also on our website. I would strongly advise if they're interested, if any of you listeners are interested in, in overcoming MS, that they sign up to our monthly newsletter, which comes through as, as an email to your inbox once a month. And we'll have some early information about forthcoming events because we are very much hoping that this will become more and more face-to-face as well as the traditional webinars that we've become pretty familiar with. And also give you recipes and the latest exercise classes or yoga classes, some guided meditations and steer you onto some relevant things that may be interested to you, someone of someone who's thinking about the wider aspect of human health. Because I know that once you start to dig in this stuff, it tends to lead you down other paths and there's other things you want to look into. And so we're really aware of that. We do usually touch base. So there's a, there's a recent blog of, I think the top 10 health books that I liked personally, whenever I was diagnosed with MS or, you know, the first resources. And I just think it's, it's fascinating. You know, it, it is absolutely fascinating once you start to look at the human body's ability to heal when you give it the right things and you look after it in the right way. And you acknowledge that really very powerful connection between the mind and the body, which I think we're all far too good at forgetting. And of course, there is the traditional information for healthcare professionals is something that we're trying to work very hard at at the minute and improve our resource because I don't think I'm speaking out of turn to say it wasn't good enough. We didn't put the appropriate focus into it. And so we've been working really, really hard over the last few months to, to really improve that upper game and to give healthcare professionals a resource that they can easily print out or download or give to their patients to steer them in that direction in a, a two-minute consultation when they've got lots of other things to do. That's amazing. I mean, even just speaking on behalf of most physical therapists, you don't learn a whole lot about multiple sclerosis when you're in physical therapy school. And a lot of it is just from what you know, from either someone, you know, who has MS, but very rarely is it like actual good quality education. So that can be very helpful. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that the average doctor, I think gets four hours of nutritional training and their undergrad stuff. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I had done almost none. And for a, somebody with diagnosed with them, my, my true hope in life is that Everybody with MS, when they are diagnosed or when they come to see their neurologist or MS team is told about the role of lifestyle. And it is coming. It's coming down the tracks really fast now in the same way that it is in heart disease and diabetes and some cancers, for example. But they need to be told about this. And for someone to say, oh, you should just eat a healthy diet, that is meaningless. That is a meaningless statement. What is a healthy diet? You know, yours is different from mine. It's different from somebody else's. You need cold hard facts and whilst there is no gold standard diet in ms and i'd be the first to admit that there's no doubt now that diet quality it plays an enormous role in this condition and people need to be told that you have a duty to tell them that as well as the other things we've talked about but i yeah that's my my fervent hope that that message will be out wider to our community over the next five and ten years absolutely well thank you so much for sharing all of that with us this will definitely have a big reach and i think it's so important for people to know that this information exists and it's readily available. So thank you so much for your time and sharing everything. Thank you, Gretchen. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure to talk about something I care so much about. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. 
If you loved this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.